So I'm delighted to be joined by Holly Wright today on episode 17 of the Planted Mindset podcast. She is a psychological well-being practitioner and blogger and keen fitness enthusiast. Um, she's more popularly known on Instagram as the empathetic diabetic. So welcome, Holly. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. How, how are you doing? I mean, first things first, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but um, 24 weeks pregnant. So congratulations yep. and well done. How are you feeling today? Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Um, very up and down, but the uh, this second trimester has been a lot better um, than the first. So that was very challenging. Um, but yeah, good days and bad days. I think just normal pregnancy stuff. But today's a good day. So. Oh, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. Um, so obviously you are type 1 diabetic. Um, yep. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and when you were first diagnosed? And then perhaps we could go into a little bit more of how you would uh, explain, in your own words, what type 1 diabetes is and, and how you've got used to living with it. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm 38 now. Um, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 17 years old. So it's been a long time that, um, that I've lived with it. Um, gosh, life with type 1 diabetes. Um, it's a funny one, really, because on one what hand... Was, what, what were your symptoms when you first got diagnosed? Because obviously that's juvenile diabetes, isn't it? And, and that's more typical for type 1 to, to, to mm -hmm. obviously, uh, suffer with that. But what, what were you, your sort of telltale signs at first and how long did it take to be diagnosed? Because obviously it can be incredibly dangerous. Yeah, um, yeah, it can be. Um, I can't really remember when I... The, the period of time of when I first started recognising symptoms to diagnosis, I, it was too, too long ago to remember. But um, for me, um, the biggest thing was I had this unquenchable thirst. Um, I was so thirsty all the time, just drinking litres and litres and litres of water um, a day through the night. And then obviously um, going to the toilet a lot because of that. Um, I was eating a lot more than usual and rapidly dropping weight. Um, not and you know, no rhyme or reason for that. They were the two main sort of symptoms. Um, I also noticed sort of changes in just the way I was feeling, so mood, um, being quite irritable, things like that. Um, yeah, they they were the sort of the main symptoms really, and having a lot of uh, weakness. So um, I remember feeling very weak in my limbs um, and just generally sort of no energy that kind of thing and they were the main symptoms that I had yeah so from from being diagnosed because obviously um it's there's different types of diabetes type one is obviously where the the pancreas uh, doesn't actually produce insulin at all as opposed to obviously type 1a or type 2 or pre-diabetes obviously and uh, you know, obviously there's, there's quite a few. Um, mm -hmm. That must have been a huge learning curve for you to one, obviously get diagnosed, but, but be sort of thrust into a world of, of complete um, not knowing really. Um, how did you find that at 17 years old? That's quite a big 
change mm. have to deal with? Um, it was very difficult. I think that um, at 17 as well is a, is a really tricky age. Um, I mean, it's difficult to be diagnosed at any time, um, but particularly being that age, um, because that is the time um, probably where um, you don't want restrictions on your life. You're going out, um, you know, kind of doing the normal kind of late teenage things where you'd probably be going out and drinking and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I can remember um, just being completely um, just shocked. I didn't even know what diabetes was. Um, it, it's not hereditary in my family, so no one else has type one in my family. Um, I didn't know anyone with diabetes, um, and I, I just essentially I just didn't have a clue. Um, I'd gone for a blood test, um, and. A few days before and I can remember being out having lunch with my friend and just getting a phone call from the doctor saying you need to come up to the surgery um right away and then I just remember being in there and and, and I was by myself as well and the doctor saying like this is it your life is going to change forever um we've called an ambulance you're going to have to go in and, and stay in the hospital for a while um, you're giving me goosebumps but, now even just saying that yeah I think <laughs> you know I haven't thought, thought about that for a very very long time um and I can remember I stayed in the hospital for a week um, and it was one of the loneliest times because I just didn't know what was going on and I didn't have anything or anyone that I could relate to um, or, or understand it. I, I didn't even really know what it was. Um, and the education around diabetes and the management of it then is very different to what it is now. So. At that point, at 17 years old, you have the medical professionals just really telling you um, what you can't do anymore. Um, so it was very restrictive. So you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do that. Um, you're going to have to, you know, inject for the rest of your life. Um, and that's all I really, really heard was all the things that it was taken away from me, essentially. Um, I'm happy to say that it's not like that anymore and I don't particularly feel that it does stop me doing anything in my life it's extra challenging but it doesn't stop me doing anything and the education around it's changed as well it isn't so restrictive um, because we have a lot more um, there's been a lot more research and stuff like that and how to manage it in a way that you can have a bit, bit more of a normal life um, I remember for the first year um, just managing it okay with the daily injections um, and the kind of changes in lifestyle. And then for some reason, about a year into it, I just completely rebelled against it. Um, and it's interesting that um, I spoke to a lot of people, um, community on Instagram, things like that. Um, lots of people tend to do that, especially when they're diagnosed being younger. Um, so you go through a bit of a rebellious stage and you don't want to have those restrictions on your life. You don't want to have to do all the things that, that you need to do essentially to keep yourself alive. So, so what, would you, what, what, what would you have done to rebel in, in what respect? Um, gosh, I had quite a journey of rebellion um, that lasted for, for many years, actually. Um, so I would restrict my insulin. Um, I would just not take care of myself. I would probably go out, I would drink more alcohol, I'd kind of party, um, not be 
one of the things I never used to do was check my blood sugar levels often at all. The thought of that now terrifies me because I tested probably 15, 20 times a day. Um, and I can't even believe that I lived like that for so long. Um, but generally, like there's a lot of um, management. There's a lot of things that you have to do every single day to manage your blood sugar levels to stay well. And I just did not do any of that at all. Um, I just did what I want. I lived, I lived like I wasn't diabetic, essentially. Um, and I ended up becoming very ill. Um, and I had quite a few complications because of that that I still have to live with now. So um, it took me a while. Um, and, and, and I think the main sort of reason and cause for that is because it's such a difficult thing to adapt to and accept. And then more so, and, and, and to be honest, even now there is such a lack of support um, around the psychological and emotional impact that uh, living with type one has on your life. Um, and there just wasn't any of that support around at all. So um, I just pretended that I didn't have it for quite some time <laughs> with disastrous consequences. I mean, that is, it's, I, I, I can empathise with you, <laughs> understanding obviously on that Instagram, empathetic diabetic, but the, you, it's the responsibility that you just didn't want and probably the mm. fear, the combination of those two, that if you put your head in the sand, so to speak, then it would go away. But obviously, yeah. all the while, it was doing disastrous things to the body if you wasn't mm -hmm. monitoring it. Is that why you set up your Instagram page or was, did that come a lot, lot later? Gosh, yeah. Oh, no, a lot, lot, lot later. Um, the reason that I set my Instagram page up was um, the, well, the main reason really was because um, I still didn't know anyone else with type 1 diabetes. Um, there was not one support group in my area, there still isn't um, for type 1 diabetes. Um, and I, I just felt very, very on my own with it the whole time. Um, and when I sort of I'd been on Instagram I think just normal Instagram page um for a couple of years and then I started to see uh that other people um had Instagram pages and they were type 1 diabetics and it, I just started looking into it and it just opened up a whole kind of world of support um and kind of being able to relate to other people that I just never had before I'd always felt like I was on my own with it um, and my Instagram account um, certainly wasn't to um, kind of promote myself or promote some message. I'm not an expert on diabetes or, or anything like that. It was just so that I didn't feel that I was the, the only person and to be able to know that there's so many other people that go through the same things um, and just being able to share those experiences and just feel that, um, yeah, just more... Kind of relatable to people um so, so that was that was how that happened and why that happened um so yeah it's, it's it's amazing as well it's amazing it really just makes me feel not on my own with it and um for many years i found it quite shameful and quite embarrassed and um about certain things so wearing my sensor on my arm and that being very obvious or things like injecting um, in public with people seeing. Um, I, I felt not comfortable with any of those things. Um, 
and then seeing people on Instagram, like I see these women and these girls on Instagram and they're proudly throwing off their insulin pumps and their, and their sensors and their CGMs and I'm looking at them and I'm like, wow, like I don't look at them and think, God, that's bad or that's embarrassing. I actually found it really inspiring. Um, so it's done, done me yeah, a world of good. It's been really, really nice to feel part of something and, and part of a community that I would never have had and wouldn't have if it wasn't for social media. So, yeah. That's amazing. Um, firstly, what's CGM for, for the listeners? Uh, so a CGM, <laughs> sorry, a CGM is, is something called a continuous glucose monitor. Um, so traditionally what we would do, we have to, as a platform, you have to monitor your blood sugar levels throughout the day. And that's normally done by um, doing a little finger prick test where you draw a little bit of blood and you put it into like a strip in a machine. A CGM is something that's connected to you the whole time. Um, and it's either by a sensor or some have tubes um, and they're connected to a machine which gives us that data um, so for me I have something called a freestyle Libra um, which isn't technically a CGM but it does the same thing and I just have a sensor that goes in my arm um, and I just scan it with my iPhone and it tells me what my blood sugar levels are um, so it's very visible you can see it um, it doesn't look bad <laughs> no you said i mean we've seen haven't we in the gym before a lot of people thought mm. it was um a, a nicotine patch or something haven't they mm. i noticed your, your tan lines as well when you've said when you've taken them off <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and it's that. Yeah, it's just that it's an amazing bit of um, technology to have that we that that's you know relatively a new thing um and you know i've gone from kind of pricking my finger 15 times a day to to um just literally having to scan my arm with my phone so that's incredible so when you say like from a uh, there's quite a few things that i wanted to, to touch on but obviously technology is being a, a major one obviously with mm-hmm. um obviously smartphones but also you feeling like a pincushion but but going on more yeah. on that uh, about the emotional side of it um the psychological mm. side of having to deal with that like you say that you you felt so alone uh until you realized that there were so many other people going through exactly the same as you um that must be a massive support and you must be a massive support to those others because obviously now having lived with it for over 20 years you know you you would be i would not say class as a veteran and i know you said obviously that you don't profess to know everything about it but through um experience and just life you you must have learned a lot because you, you've told me before obviously certain days you could be doing the same and it would work absolutely fine and then another day it completely throws it out for no rhyme or reason so yeah. what what do you you know maybe sort of go back first on on the mindset um of of that group were there any things coming out of uh the nhs or support groups i know obviously there are charities out there what did you feel that the the blog that you did gave you more is it it was it more informal um and what's been the most inspiring um message that you've received hmm, it's definitely informal um for me i think it's just been more it's just been about more kind of normalizing it um and not having that feeling or that sense that i'm different and that i've got something wrong with me 
um, just it's just being allowed to be a part of something where um, one I guess that it's not all negative um, that it's very real so you I will there'll be some positive stuff on my Instagram account and and then there'll be stuff where it's just the truth when it's a really hard and difficult day um, I there's a lot of accounts about that um, that, that do both and I think actually it's just about being real and reflecting real life and it's great to um, be positive about it and, and live a positive kind of have a positive mindset about it in a positive way and we all kind of I think aspire to that but it's also okay to to not be like that all the time and to admit and accept that you know what some days it's so hard um it is really difficult it's multifaceted it's terribly frustrating sometimes you have the kind of you have the how do I say um you have the the daily kind of drudge of managing it which anyone that has a chronic illness they know that some days are easier than others but if you are doing something day in day out that's hard work for 20 years or more that's going to get you down sometimes that's that's a fact it's going to happen no one's kind of invincible from that um and then also you've got the way that it can physiologically affect your mental health as well sort of fluctuations in blood glucose levels that affect your hormones so that's going to have an effect and then you've got the side of it where you feel guilt you feel worry you feel anxiety so we know that if we're not managing so well um, we've had a particularly hard few days or a hard few weeks or months you know where periods of time where it's just too difficult to manage for whatever reason we beat, beat ourselves up we feel guilty about that and then we worry that gosh i've had these high blood sugar levels for a few days now what what impact is that having because we know that there's terrible consequences of not managing your diabetes whether that's eye disease kidney disease limb loss like the, the list is endless so there's a lot of stuff that we we carry around with us um every single day so um to me i think yeah sort of just the main message is just this this is how it is it's good and bad um and one's not right or, or wrong um i don't believe in this being a good or a bad diabetic which a lot of us deal with and i've said so many times to myself i'm the worst diabetic when i haven't had good control but it isn't like that at all there's so many things that go into into how we're able to manage um our condition and if you're not feeling too too great mentally or emotionally then that's going to have an impact on how you manage it and actually it's just about saying i think that's quite normal and that's part of it and everyone's going to go through that from time to time um so yeah just i think about being kind of realistic about it i think your honesty there holly though uh, speaks volumes i think that's what people will resonate with and why you have got such a big following because like you say multifaceted there's two sides of it I couldn't even begin to think and this is what I've said to you because I'm going to move on to sort of training obviously I've trained you in mm. the gym and you know when you first told me that you were type 1 diabetic um, obviously I was like well you know like it blew my blew my mind um, as to from the point of view of what you've just said what you have to deal with on a daily basis let alone the psychological and physiological effects of that mm -hmm. so bringing training into that because I know obviously um, 
obviously you're 24 weeks pregnant now and whilst you're still active and still looking amazing um you've dialed back on the fitness but but you loved your fitness um perhaps go into a little bit more about uh because obviously when we trained uh together when i trained you we had to be mindful of your sugar levels um and obviously we would adjust the the sessions accordingly but you you would do a fair amount of cardio so perhaps you could explain a little bit more to the people that are listening the difference between obviously strength training and Mm -hmm. cardio and how you would have to manage that with your diabetes yes um and also from a fitness point of view what the positive effects were out the back of that as well yeah so obviously you know i think most people know that um keeping fit and active and and um doing doing exercise when you're type 1 or type 2 diabetic is going to be beneficial because um essentially it is about balancing our blood sugar levels um and exercise helps that um but it's not as straightforward as you think it might be so um i struggled for for quite a long time um with my fitness um before i knew too much about about how to kind of manage it and and the effects that different exercises has um or has on my blood sugar levels um so i'd often find it really frustrating because i'd go to the gym and then i'd end up having to to leave halfway through because i had quite a bad hypo and you know there was no way i could carry on um, obviously explain to the listeners that obviously because <laughs> you're, you're talking in layman terms of of what what yeah. you you know but and, and obviously i know what you mean but but if you can explain a little bit more when you're saying you're getting hypo so um a hypo so it's hypoglycemia is a drop is a reducing blood sugar level so um a non-diabetic person will always have a blood sugar level between um about four and seven so um with when you're type 1 diabetes diabetic you're trying to keep within in that range all the time it's pretty much impossible to keep within that range um so a hypo which is a lower blood sugar level so that is when you go below below uh the number four so it's four millimoles um and that can be very dangerous so a hypoglycemic episode um you would need to be ingesting some quick acting um carbohydrates rapidly um if you do not treat a hypo you will be in serious trouble you know you can you can pass out you can go into a coma you can essentially die from them so um you have to act pretty quickly on that um and then you have the other end of the scale which is something called a hyperglycemia which is um anything above that seven so it's when your blood sugar levels are too high that's dangerous as well um not it's not instantly dangerous like a low blood sugar level but when you have elevated blood sugar levels over a period of time it does a lot of damage to your body it does damage to your organs your eyes your kidneys that kind of thing so essentially as a type 1 diabetic you're trying to keep within within that range um which this is basically because you inject first thing in the morning a certain amount of insulin to to try to keep you running through that through the day and then depending on what you do exercise wise what you do with what you eat that's where you're monitoring obviously that to try and stay between that optimal range is that right yes in very basic terms it's very very complex so you manage your blood sugar levels um with insulin and the main things that you 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 do is with insulin and carbohydrates so we count our carbohydrates 
um, and you have a ratio of insulin to carbohydrates. So for example, you could, you could have a one unit of insulin to 10 grams of carbohydrates for your food. Um, and you, that's one of the main things that you look at when you're managing your blood sugar levels. Sounds really simple. It's not because I would have different ratios throughout the day. So I could essentially eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch and need different amounts of insulin because of the different times of day. So it gets quite complicated. Um, but just in sort of basic terms, that is, that is the way you look at your insulin and your carbohydrate intake and then your activity levels. They're the main things that affect blood sugar levels. There's plenty of other things that affect it as well, but they're the main things that you do to monitor it. So when you are doing some exercise, depending on what exercise that is, you have to kind of pre-plan, or I do anyway. So if I know that I'm going to have a workout at lunchtime, I need to be thinking about adjusting my probably my breakfast dose of insulin to, to counteract that or having extra carbohydrates, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, when you've spoken to me before about this, I've just thought, oh, my good God, like for, for my brain to, to, to comprehend how, how many variables I can understand why you rebelled at 17. Because it yeah. it's just it, like you say, it's not simple, and there's so many variables. You almost wonder, like, where do you start? It just, mm-hmm. it's so. And, and I know you obviously you have to take insulin. Uh, you've got different types of insulin, obviously ones yeah. that are for longer duration, ones that that you need for immediate hit. But it's that, mm-hmm. and I know obviously you carry around uh, cartons of apple <laughs> apple juice and, and obviously <laughs> sweets yeah. and things. You know, it's it's that constant juggling act that must be so mentally fatiguing as well. On top of it all, but mm-hmm. from from the fitness side of things, so would you have to monitor yourself right up until before you'd get to the gym and then see how you'd go in the session, and it, and it still could knock that out. And and from a perspective perspective of weight training what would you have to do different to cardio yeah so for sure it's a lot of monitoring before and during and and you'll probably remember when we've had sessions before like i'll be scanning my arm in between so generally the way that it works so any durational exercise so if i'm doing any kind of cardio especially quite steady cardio like running or swimming i know that's going to drop my blood sugar levels down so i'm going to be having a carbohydrate snack before i go into the gym and probably reducing my breakfast or depending whatever meal it is, the meal before my workout, I'll be reducing that insulin. Um, weight training resistance is, is pretty much the opposite. Um, and this took me a long time to figure out. And it's incredibly frustrating because I would go and I would do, I enjoy lift, lifting weights um, and I'd go and do that and I'd come out and I'd have these crazy sky high blood sugar levels and I just wouldn't get it because I was thinking, wait, I'm exercising. Surely that should be bringing me down. But I think the difference is there's a couple of things that happen when you're when you're uh, weight training. So um, the the when you're using those muscles and they're breaking down, they release. You have like a store of um, glucogen in them in your muscles. So when you're using those muscles, that glucogen gets broken down and it's released into your bloodstream. So a normal non-diabetic person your your pancreas would automatically just be releasing the little bit of insulin you would need to keep your your levels balanced but where my pancreas doesn't work like that um 
it would shoot my blood sugar levels up. So I would do this weight training, do a really good session and then just come out and, and feel horrendous and feel really weak and all of that. And I'd check my buds and they'd be really, really high. Um, and also as well, so things like certain hormones, so adrenaline <clears throat> and glucagon, which is stored in the liver <laughs> when you're doing that kind of, especially kind of the, when you're really working really, really hard, um, it, they, those hormones send a message to your liver and they release glucose essentially um so that's very difficult to work out how to manage that because it's not as easy as counting carbohydrates and thinking what well, i need this amount of insulin and um, to manage that because obviously we don't really know how much is being released um that was a very um long process of trial and error essentially trial and error and what i would do before uh, a weightlifting session would be to have a little bit of insulin um beforehand and then i'd make sure that i'd have like a protein snack afterwards and, and that can kind of help um but yeah it's a, a consistent monitoring throughout throughout the session as well that's how i do it anyway and did you find that you weren't able to do cardio and strength training in that same session that you would have to break those up or that you can still do a little bit um for sometimes I would try and work it to my advantage. So if I was running a, a little bit high, I would tend to go in and I would do maybe like a 5k on the treadmill to bring me back down. And then once I'm seeing that drop in and it's getting sort of to the point where it is getting quite low, I'd then go and lift some weights and it would spike it back up a little bit. Um, but that worked on some days and it didn't on other days. Um, so, so that's why I was just thinking like you almost feel like you're being cleverer than than the diabetes itself that you think you can win it and you must feel really good some days when you've got it spot on and then obviously the next day it doesn't work at all and that must be so frustrating <laughs> that's a really funny way to put it it made me laugh but yeah i don't know yeah i don't know if i ever feel like i'm winning with it but some days are more manageable than others for sure and you think yes i've got it right like this is the perfect formula and then the next day it just it's something completely different so yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the world of being a diabetic. It is frustrating to say the least. So, I I I mean, again, I just from a daily basis, how how you deal with that, it's just unbelievable. Um, and I take my hat off to to everyone that lives because I believe it's uh, one in sixteen people in the UK um, have diabetes, either diagnosed or undiagnosed, which is about six percent of the population. Wow um you know and as you say obviously there's there's the the type ones that generally um you would get that when you're younger but obviously the levels of people becoming uh, type 2 diabetic is increasing uh due to obviously not managing uh, diet and exercise so well um but going going back obviously um with you managing it having lived with it for as long as you have now how how would you say that you deal with it now? Have you got an overarching sort of thought process that's different? Have you managed to sort of uh, zoom out of it, if that makes sense? Because you're having to live with it and that's like you've got to be in it to be living with it. But do yeah. you feel like if is ever a time you do sort of step back and, and look at the overall picture of how you've managed to evolve over the years and what would you tell your 17 year old self now with what you know? 
Okay, <clears throat> gosh, what would I tell my 17 year old self? I think one of the, probably the, the biggest things is about the guilt and not beating yourself up about it because I found myself often in a really vicious um, cycle of, you know, putting all the effort into managing it and then it not working out, still putting all the work in, trying to do the best that I can and then still not getting the levels that I wanted and then becoming completely um, deflated by it and then sort of very all or nothing and then like, what's the point? And then I'll beat myself up. Um, you know, I can't manage this. I can't do this myself. And then that would put me in this kind of cycle or spiral of um, then kind of thinking, well, what's the, what's the point and feeling worse about yourself? Um, so I think the biggest, the, the, the one thing that I would say is to, is to, is to give yourself a break. Um, we can only do, do what we can. Um, and I do have a very different mindset to it now, um, than I, than I did at that age. Um, but I try not to beat myself up about it as long as I'm trying my best and I, and I'm doing what I can, um, to manage it. <clears throat> then that has to be enough um and if you don't always get the the levels that that you want which you won't know diabetic is is does get that every day um i think it's just enough to know that that you're, you're putting the effort in and, and that you're doing what you can and if you get those bad days where you don't feel like you can put the effort in do you know what that's all right as well you just need to keep getting back up and doing it over and over again um so I think the biggest message was, yeah, just don't be so hard on yourself, really. So I think taking from that, it's the maturity that you have of of living with it to say that it it can be okay to not be okay and, mm. and seeing the bigger picture that it's not about being perfect. It's just about living with diabetes, isn't it? And no one, no two days are going to be the same. So do you feel yeah. that you've taken the pressure off yourself over the time that you've lived with it because of that maturity? Because um, I would imagine that you must put a lot of pressure on yourself, like hearing you say that, you know, trying so hard to get these perfect figures um, which ultimately will, you know, result in how you feel. And then that's still mm. not happening and, and, and wanting to press the fuck it button really saying, I yeah. just don't want to do this anymore, but then actually yeah. you can't because <laughs> you have to, um, I mean, that's phenomenal. So it's dialing back on that, taking that pressure off yourself, would you say? Yeah, it's taking the pressure off yourself. Definitely. And I think it's just, just knowing, you know, I've gone through, I've gone down that road. I've had many years where I was just, I did just push that pocket button essentially. Um, but the, the fact is that you're going to end up in more trouble if you do that. Um, so it is, it's just about not being so hard on yourself. I still have days where I get incredibly frustrated. I still get days where I, I will get burnout um, and you know I wouldn't lie about that because I think it's a normal part of it um, but I always eventually get back to that point and I think do you know what I am living with it I didn't ask for this it's incredibly difficult to manage there's so many variables I just need to do my best and and that has to be enough. Yes, yeah, that's a really good answer Holly I mean yeah, and and so true it has to be enough um, mm because there is no other option really um not unless you want to go down a dark path which is not advisable is it it has to be enough 
trying to turn it into something positive because like you say it's something that you have to live with you don't have a choice mm. what and i'm and, and and it's fine if there hasn't been a positive that it's given you but but some people i mean i've actually got um the book mastering diabetes by um cyrus Combetta and robbie barbero um mm-hmm. it's, it's fantastic i've only just started reading it um but they are are revolutionary in getting people to actually reverse type 2 diabetes through diet obviously we know that can't be done for type 1 but mm-hmm. allowing by the by with the foods that you eat um which is ultimately a uh, whole whole food plant-based low fat um brought their blood sugar levels down to to a better level so they wouldn't have to inject as much insulin um yeah because they they were saying like they were both diagnosed quite young and they were saying like the information that they were given at the start was like you're, you're supposed to avoid carbs you're not supposed to eat fruits and all of these things um and they actually explain that you can eat all of those things and the carbohydrates aren't the enemy <laughs> Um, you know, that just is the resulting factor of the the end process. But obviously, mm-hmm. um, if you manage your diet more effectively, um, you can get to, to, to better levels of fasting uh, blood glucose, which, I, as I say, I haven't, I've only literally just started reading it, but, and, and I'm not diabetic, but I just think that it's such an interesting book because it just shows you the power of what we eat and how we have a little bit more control. Mm. And bringing that in, they were saying that they are grateful in a way that they have got, or they are living with it because of what they've done and what it's taught them and now what they're giving back is there a positive that you can take from being type one diabetic yeah i mean i think that there's a few i think um i think to start off with i think it is how education has changed um around how we manage it like i said when i was 17 it's a long time ago when i was diagnosed it was very restrictive um so very much what you can't have you know you can have two potatoes with your dinner don't have any sweets don't have chocolate you can't have cake um for someone that has got a sweet tooth like me that i found that really hard and and i would rebel (laughs) and i would binge on those foods um it's very different now so in the uk when you're a type 1 diabetic generally the approach they they um they run programs the nhs run programs they're called the daphne um approach and that means dose adjustment for normal eating So that essentially means that you can eat what you want. If you want to eat a pizza and you want to eat a bit of chocolate cake every now and again, you can do that. You just would need to learn how to manage it. So you need to learn what your dosages are for that insulin. So for me, that was something that was very good because if I'm, if I'm put on a restrictive diet or I'm told that I can't have something, I mean, I'm going to go crazy for it. I'm just going to want it. So human nature, right? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) So having that restriction, I don't believe in cutting out uh, food groups. Like I will still have chocolate. I will still have sweet things. And you're, you're totally right. Carbs are not the enemy. Don't get me wrong. I eat well and I eat healthy. But if I want those things, I'll have them. Um, so that is something that I'm really grateful for. Um, just be able to be able to not feel different, not feel restricted and be able to just you know, essentially do what I want. Um, I'm also really grateful for the for the kind of advancement in in the technologies that make it easier for us. Um, hopefully, I'll be getting an insulin pump 
um, very soon as well, which will make it even more easier. And, and that certainly wasn't um, available when I was first diagnosed. And, and going back years before that as well, I mean, pretty much before um, insulin sort of came on the market, if you had diabetes, you know, you, you, you're going to die pretty soon, you're going to die early. Um, and they used to manage it with a starvation diet, believe it or not. Um, yeah so very grateful for all that kind of stuff that just make it easier um, I'm really grateful for um, finding the kind of online community um, and having that support and being able to, to share and see other people's experiences so I don't feel alone very grateful about that um, and I think the other positive as well is when you because I've been on both sides of it when you do have control and you do feel more in control of it um, and you are managing it and you're able to live a life without with, with generally sort of being quite well um, that is empowering when you get it right um, and you know that you're putting putting that effort into it um, I found that quite an um, empowering experience for me um, so yeah that would be a positive out of it um, that's made me feel more confident um, in myself and and, and, and and how I manage it. So, yeah, I think that's a positive. Yeah, I mean, like you say, I think um, empowerment is is great. And I think you're um, going back to your Instagram account, you're helping empower others by your actions, um, by putting out honest posts, uh, being real, being authentic and just being you you know you 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 won't realize how many people you're not only helping but inspiring and empowering to to be better um when i say be better be better at not beating themselves up or be better at you know taking a break of of you know that um intenseness of it and just saying it's okay to not be okay and i think that you don't realize how how much of an impact your account must be doing for others um and bringing that on to the fact that now you're you know over halfway of your pregnancy um which is absolutely amazing and and you're still looking super super trim and super fit um how inspiring that that is are you going to continue sort of posting uh because this is a whole new um obviously experience for you of being pregnant with mm. diabetes yeah um thank you for those kind things that you said um it's it's a funny one isn't it because i don't ever really think about my instagram or anything that i'm doing as kind of empowering people i'm just um, just kind of sharing really um, what my thoughts are, my feelings are and day-to-day and, and -day life. Um, you are right, the pregnancy and diabetic thing is a whole new world um, and again it's something that I've found really helpful is um, other diabetic um, accounts and um, looking at accounts like mums with, with kids with type 1 and stuff like that. Um, so it's definitely something that I'm going to be posting about more. Um, I was very reluctant to post anything at all um, up until I was past 20 weeks because um, <laughs> there's a lot of anxiety that sort of goes with, with, with whether or not it's going to, it's going to go okay or not. Um, but now I've sort of got past that mark and I'm feeling a, a little less anxious. It's definitely um, something I'm going to be sharing um, my journey a bit more um, and just saying it how it is <laughs> like always 
Well, I mean, obviously in that respect, even if you just journal for, for the time being until you feel more in a more comfortable position with even more weeks under your belt, because you can all re always retrospectively post, um, because mm. I would think that, you know, having had those difficult days um, and being able to explain it and how you overcome it and the fact that you're past that period or point of time would be really powerful for someone else that, that you know, is going through it. And I think that, you know, the whole point uh, we said, didn't we, that when I would get my podcast that, that you would come and do an episode. And, and the reason being because I know that what you're doing is helping so many people and i think it's about bringing that to a wider audience and hopefully this this uh, podcast episode will to 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 sh show what you're doing and just by being you but helping others because you know there are going to be younger people i mean instagram obviously is is a, a, a an age group uh of of all ages um but you'll you'll find that there'll be younger people coming on and when they find you and then they can look back and see what you've done i think that's like you say they're going to feel that they've connected with someone um and they someone understands and i think that's the the empowerment that you can give others um so i i think you should definitely keep journaling um not least for yourself as well, because you know you go on to say have another one. <laughs> <It's not happening>. <laughs> <laughs> You'll want to know what you did, when, and how. Um, but I think it would be a really useful, uh, a useful process. Um, but not just uh, for from the actual actualities, but from the mindset perspective as well. Because you say like there's so many variables in all of this. But what um, what do you what do you think? I mean, do you think that's something that you'd you'd like to do? Um, yeah, I, I definitely will um, sort of journal it a bit more and post a lot more. Um, I have to say that the whole diabetes of pregnancy thing is like something else. Um, I thought that diabetes was really hard to manage um, just normally, um, but being pregnant, it's insane and i have to say that the biggest thing i have so much respect for uh for women that go through um that have type one and go through pregnancy um and i have just found it so reassuring and so um informative looking at other people's pages that have done it and and knowing that i'm not the the only one that goes through these struggles i mean there's the the variables when you're pregnant and type one are probably quadruple from from when you're not pregnant because a lot of your blood sugar level um changes um are based around hormonal changes and, and that changes all the time so uh i'm i currently uh have like weekly endocrinologist appointments where my insulin ratios are changing uh once or twice a week um to keep on top of that um and it's relentless um my before i fell pregnant my endocrinologist said that if you it was unlikely that i would would, would ever get pregnant um, but she said, if you uh, were lucky enough to do it, it'll be the hardest thing you ever do. And <laughs> she was not wrong. <laughs> she is not wrong. Um, and I'll begrudgingly say that, but um, it, it really is. So me just being able to, to kind of connect and talk to other people that um, have gone through the same challenges um, and still managed to have healthy babies um, 
has been really inspiring for me. Um, so yeah, so I will continue to post and, and, and talk to people that are kind of going through or have been or about to go through the same, the same thing for sure, just to share that, those experiences. Definitely, undoubtedly, Holly. I think you know you are an inspiration, and um, for for your for your child, um, am I allowed to say? Uh, obviously, mm. what sex? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. So for your daughter, you, what an inspiration! Because you know when mm. when she grows up, and then she's going to see. Because it doesn't mean that she's going to um, necessarily have uh, diabetes herself, is it? No, so that was really kind of you to say thank you. Um, no, it doesn't. There obviously is a chance um, that she will have it, um, which, to be completely honest, just horrifies me. It's the last thing that I would wish on anyone to, to have, um, and especially when you think about you know your own child having that. But saying that, um, I would want to show my daughter um, that you can have a life, um, a live a good life, um with it and that you can manage it and it doesn't have to be you know a kind of death sentence or or you know means that you can't live a normal life and that kind of um encourage me encourages me and inspires me to to just have better management and to look after my myself even more um because i if, if she was to be diagnosed or if she was to develop it then i would want her to to look at me and think would well, you know what mum can do it and so can i um so that's one big thing and, and i think the other thing is as well um it does make you more motivated to, to take better care of yourself because you you wanna you wanna live a long time and you wanna be able to have the, the energy and, and be well enough to, to put in everything to, to bring up a child. So yeah, she's she's done a lot for me already, this little one. <laughs> Yeah, well, not least you wait for the sleepless nights. I mean, that's going to be a whole other ball game then, isn't it? Well, to be honest, the sleepless night is already happening. So I have to get up and inject every couple of hours. I have to inject insulin every couple of hours through the night anyway, since I've been pregnant. So um, right. it's already started. So yeah, the lack of sleep's already there. So I'm going to be a, a professional at that by the time she's here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm a mother of two, and it's a while back since I've done it, but I know know how, how devastating it is to 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 be so sleep deprived. I mean, you, you I, I, I never, I, it's it's almost like a form of torture. I never realised that, you know, <laughs> how you can still quite function on so little sleep. And and, and I'm not diabetic, so, but um, yeah. but like you say, you've probably adjusted, not least for the trips to the toilet in the night as well yeah exactly yeah I think that's probably one thing that um, probably all type ones can, can relate to um, is we already have a lack of sleep it's not very often that you get a full night's undisturbed sleep so uh, we're, we that I guess that's one thing we can use to advantage if, if, you, want, if you can call it that <laughs> so I just want to sort of wrap it up with um, what would uh, last question really but um, what three things would you tell someone that's literally just been diagnosed so three three sort of short points of what you would say to someone that's been given the devastating news because it is devastating mm. right because your life's never going to be the yeah. same again that's not to yeah. say that it it won't you know still be better and you you're showing how you can live with it but it's still devastating nonetheless mm -hmm. so what what three things would you you tell them gosh yeah um i think probably the first thing would be to be that it, it is devastating 
devastating and that is okay to feel like that about it um it's certainly okay to have any kind of difficult emotions or feelings um around your diagnosis and the management about it that's okay that's normal um that the second thing I would probably say is reach out and try and get as much support as possible. If there isn't support um, in your local area, then it is about connecting online, um, different groups, things like that. That's invaluable um, just so that you don't feel alone with it because you're certainly not. Um, and I think the third thing is that probably just to say yeah it is rubbish like it is hard it, your life has changed now um and it won't ever be the same again but it doesn't mean that it's bad um it's not a death sentence um you can still do all the things that you want to do um it just takes a bit more hard work and a bit more kind of more challenges and, and stuff like that but your life certainly isn't over um and it can still be very fulfilled and full um, and positive as well at the same time so yeah, I think there's the, there's the same thing. That's to say. brilliant, Holly. I mean, that's absolutely fantastic, and and you are a testament to that. Obviously, of those points of, of where you are now, and and what you're, what you're doing, you know, and the fact that you're going to become a mum soon, and you mm. know, obviously, as you say, it hasn't stopped you doing anything, and and I think you know you enjoy life. You you've gone to concerts, you've done things, you like your fitness, you like your sport, you like to live life to the full and and you're showing people that 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 can be done so i just want to say a big thank you firstly for agreeing to come onto the podcast um and and talk to me um and secondly for being so honest and open and i think you've just got to keep doing what you're doing because you are an inspiration to to anyone um and, and as i say i'm not diabetic but but you inspire me so just keep doing what you're doing and um obviously we want to to be kept up to date of of, of the great news obviously mm. um as and when so but thank you so much um i'll put in the show notes uh below your instagram uh handle so that if anyone wants to follow you and reach out um obviously then they can um mm. and you know obviously just thank you very much for coming on Oh, that's so kind of you. And uh, thanks for having me. It's been really good um, just to talk about it. And and actually, um, ever since we first met and w when we started training together, it was the fact that you was very curious um, about type one and I was asking lots of questions because you wanted to know. And, and um, for someone that's type one, and for me especially, like I found that um, really amazing, actually, um, and really, really um, helpful. And um, yeah, so thank you. Well, from from that point of view, I mean, that's very nice of you to say, but that's, you know, you've you've um, inspired me to, to want to learn more about it. Yes, we do learn um, to the slightest, you know, obviously when we go through our training, but but not to the level. And like you say, even as as a diabetic, it's still confusing. But um, as I say, I would I would recommend this this book, Mastering Diabetes. Um, it's absolutely for for what i've read so far it's just and, and it's not just for diabetics i think it's a really good book for for anyone to read really that wants to get um, a good handle on on their health and and know that they have more control by by it for the, through what they eat so but mm, thank you sounds interesting yeah I'll, 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 I'll chat to you about that afterwards but thank you ever so much holly and um, best of luck thank you <laughs> thanks yeah. Natasha.